0: Happy
1: Tuesday morning to you. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is a beautiful, sunshiny morning out there. As much as I hate that the sun goes down earlier this time of year, I love that it's up when we start the show for this month. Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings, of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is a joy to be with you on this Tuesday morning, and we are continuing our month of November remembering to pray for the faithful departed. We have today and tomorrow left to obtain that plenary indulgence for the souls in purgatory and by visiting a graveyard and praying at the cemetery for the souls of the faithful departed, and doing the other works required for an indulgence. Today on the show, we're going to hear the interview we taped. We had the opportunity to sit down with the one and only Dr. Scott Hahn when we were up in Springfield a little over a week ago for the Eucharistic Congress. I'm still having great memories of that. By the way, if you missed the Eucharistic Congress in Springfield, uh, you can still hear some of the talks um, you you cannot hear Doctor Hans talk, but you can hear the other talks, and I particularly particularly recommend you listen to two of them. I, I think you should listen to all four. By the way, Bishop Paprakis' homily and Father Chase Hilgenbrink's talks were just you know stopped me in my tracks. Good. Uh, I love Sister Mary Carolyn Noon's talk, and I also in, quite uh, enjoyed and found edifying Father Dennis Robinson's talk. They were all great. But Father Chase and Bishop Paprocki in particular, I mean, stop me in my tracks. Good. So you can check those out at the Diocese of Springfield's YouTube channel. Um, You can go to their social media, Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. Um, You can go to their website, dio.org, and I'm sure they have links to all of these things there. As well. In fact I will make sure for you while we talk about this here, but it's worth taking the time. In fact, if you go to dio.org, it'll first thing on the page, watch the talks from the Eucharistic Congress, click here. You can't miss it. You, you cannot miss it. So let's go to Mike Robertson.
0: Today is the feast day of Saint Prosdissimus, first Bishop of Padua, Saint Achilles, Bishop of Alexandria, and Saint Willibrod, Bishop of Northern Europe. Born in 658 in Northumbria, now Northern England, Willibrod grew up under the influence of the Bishop of York and joined the Benedictines. Between the ages of 20 and 32, he studied at the Abbey in Rommelsigie in Ireland, which at the time was a great center of learning. St. Egbert sent Willibrod and about a dozen other missionaries to an area near the North Sea coast, twice Willebrod traveled from there to Rome to get official permission from the Pope to spread the gospel and organize the region within official church structure. And during the second visit, Pope Sergius gave him a pallium and made him bishop. Around the year 700, Willebrod established the Abbey of Echternach and built many churches. However... When Radbod became king, he burned several churches and killed many of the missionaries. When Charles Martel gave him protection, Willibrod was able to resume the Lord's work and the church began to spread across all of northern Europe. After his death, Wells, located on the routes he had once taken, became known as Willibrord Wells and their waters were said to have provided many miracles. St. Willibrod, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day
1: saint of the day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player search covenant network to see all our podcasts we are happy to be on the road today at the bos center in springfield illinois with covenant network at the eucharistic congress for the diocese of springfield and after a few years worth of phone interviews it is a joy to say we are sitting down now in person with dr scott hahn Dr. Hahn,
2: thank you so much for being with us today. Adam, it is wonderful to actually be with you in the flesh and not just, you know, via the phone.
1: That's a, that, that's a very Catholic statement that you've made <laughs> yes, there. Yes, it is. And as everyone's filtering into the center, that you can hear the energy, the joy is certainly picking up from when I first arrived a few hours ago. And that whole fr- phrase you just said, in the flesh, is the reason we are gathering here today, that our Lord has made himself available to us under the humble appearance of bread, but not bread, sacramentally present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist. I wonder if you could share some thoughts about the significance of today and what you'll be saying in your talk to the the pilgrims who have come from all across the diocese to be here today.
2: Well, I'm gonna be sharing some lessons I learned on the road to Emmaus by reading, rereading this story that we all know, we all love it, but I continue to find it's almost like an onion layer after layer deeper and deeper you know uh, i want to share then but also now the fact that jesus decided to spend his first day back from the dead doing what i mean i would have dropped in on Pilate, herod caiaphas the sanhedrin he leads a really long bible study for hours mile after mile igniting these two lowly laymen clopas and his unnamed friend setting their hearts on fire as they themselves admitted later on did not our hearts burn within us as he opened up the scriptures but not once did they ever recognize them until they arrived and they're at the table what does he do he takes he blesses he breaks and he gives the same fourfold action in luke 24 that we read about in luke 22 on holy thursday in the upper room when he instituted the eucharist and so what we recognize then is what they recognized finally And what does Jesus do? He vanished, and not because he was playing hard to get, but because he brought their faith to the point where they would recognize and discern the resurrected body, blood, soul, and divinity in the breaking of the Eucharistic bread. And so he vanishes so as not to become a distraction because once our faith reaches that climax, that zenith, then we recognize something that we would never know on our own. This is the basis for Eucharistic faith. This is why Eucharistic devotion is a reasonable response, but it's also why Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul, called for Eucharistic amazement in his final encyclical. He was saying, okay, let's restore Eucharistic faith and devotion, but let's really recognize how amazing it is that God has come to us in the flesh and empowered mortal men like my own son, Father Jeremiah, To do what? To transform earthly matter into Christ's resurrected body, blood, soul, and divinity? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if this is the truth, if this is reality, then we simply can't afford to neglect it and get caught up in news cycles or election cycles and that kind of thing.
1: I remember back in uh, the late 90s in my hometown of St. Louis, there was a very strong push coming from our archbishop at the time to promote Eucharistic Adoration. He established a committee, the Archbishop's Committee on Eucharistic Adoration, and slowly but surely you started seeing perpetual adoration chapels pop up in churches across the diocese. You spoke about that road to Emmaus and that encounter that the apostles have, and I I think sometimes we take for granted the fact that our Lord has that invitation. If you need an encounter, come spend some time with me. Now, you have been a biblical scholar for most of your life. But at one point, you were not uh, a believer of the Catholic faith. You would not have come to the chapel and spent some time. What difference has that made for you to be able to have that encounter, to, to not only spend time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and the Adoration Chapel, but also to receive him so
2: intimately in Holy Communion? Yeah, so on the one hand, I had a profound intellectual conversion in the early 80s after seminary when I became a Presbyterian pastor and a professor at a local seminary teaching a course, a graduate seminar on the Gospel of John, when I ran into John 6 like it was a brick wall. And we were studying the Greek, and I discovered that my interpretive tradition just couldn't stand up to what the text was saying. And so I went in search of a church that had an interpretive tradition that did. And that, of course, led to my conversion back in 86. But what you discover in becoming a Catholic Is the conversion is not what happened to me simply when i was 14 or when i entered the church in 1986 conversion is what happens every morning when we awaken and we make the morning offering conversion is never perfect so it has to be ongoing lifelong but you know you're converting to not just simply a body of truths you're converting to christ and christ is here and when he said lo i am with you always even to the close of the age it wasn't just you know sort of like a farewell it was a pledge of a presence that is not only out of this world but in it and that is of course real in the seven sacraments but most especially in the blessed sacrament if you just stack up all of the truths that we profess to believe about the holy eucharist to not pay a visit to not stop by to not have prayer and adoration and benediction just doesn't really make a lot of sense but to do it not only deepens our faith but it also renders our faith authentic then instead of simply professing our belief in the body blood soul and divinity of christ in the eucharist we really come to possess it far, far i mean so much more than simply taking a test and getting the answers right the other day,
1: you and I had the opportunity to talk about your book, Catholics in Exile. Right. And it, one of the points you made in that book was the importance of families living out their vocation. And I I chuckle when I ask this question, because originally we had been set up to have the interview earlier in the month, but you had to reschedule for what I thought was the most fantastic of reasons. <laughs> All remember. of your children and grandchildren had descended upon your house uh, with you and your wife. It, and it was a very joyous time. I remember seeing your Facebook posts about how, how wonderful that was. What's the importance of this devotion, for, especially for parents with young children, in a culture that might say, oh, the children aren't ready to spend time with our Lord. They're not ready to go to adoration. Uh, don't bother to take them there. Just stay in the back of church, especially when we hear so many priests uh, praise God, say, no, 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 bring the children. Let the children come. It's okay if they cry. Bring them here. They need to be here.
2: Right. Well, I would just affirm what you just said, because, you know, when we had this great family reunion, this staycation at our home with all six of our kids and 21 grandkids, including Father Jeremiah, we got to have mass said in our home. He heard confessions as well from his nieces and nephews. It was just beyond spectacular. It was very special. But the kids also really enjoy going down for adoration. Now it might be a little bit of a stretch to make it an hour long for them you know sometimes we find ourselves distracted or just getting tired and worn out so you've got to be realistic i also would like to say something about married couples with lots of kids or really young ones because i wrote a book years ago it's still one of my favorites called first comes love finding your family in the church and the trinity and what i explained in the back of that book near the end was that I would do adoration. And I made a point of doing it every day, but sometimes I had to put it off until the evening. Well, after a few months of doing adoration in the evening, I ran into a different kind of brick wall, namely Kimberly was unhappy because when the kids were going down, I was slipping out. And so I went to my spiritual director and I said, "You know, I'm really having trouble scheduling that adoration time earlier in the day. He said, well, you know, this is the blessed sacrament. But marriage is a sacrament too. So time spent with your spouse, with your bride, helping her clean up and get the kids ready for bed, that is also time before a blessed sacrament. And so I would say, you know, don't sacrifice the peace and the harmony of good marriage and family life. That also is sacramental. And you can create a sort of feedback loop, you know, that if before my bride I can express my gratitude, my thanks for such a sacrament, then when I go to the blessed sacrament the next day or later that night, I I think it creates a sort of loop, a sort of sacramental circuitry that is not only enhancing my own prayer life, but also my family life.
1: One final question for you, because I know it's going to be a busy day. You have to prepare for your talk this afternoon. I would imagine most of our listeners think, wow, it must be amazing to be in Dr. Scott Hahn's family. And, I, and you as the father uh, and your wife, Kimberly, have had a tremendous impact on your children's lives because you are their parents. But now you have a son. You keep mentioning Father Jeremiah. And just as my children changed my life, uh, I imagine that all of your children have changed your life, but he in particular in a very unique way. What has that meant for you and for Kimberly to have a son who is an ordained priest who has dedicated his life to bringing the sacraments, acting
2: in the person of our Lord for the church. Okay. So first of all, let me clarify something that you and I already know, Adam, and that is there was only one holy family, and it yeah. was in Nazareth, <laughs> not Stupendville, Ohio. And so, you know, I, I, I tell my kids, if I didn't know me, I might be impressed. So if you meet people who are really impressed, realize, you know, you know me better than they do. But having a priest for a son, a son who became a priest, really kind of, you talk about circuitry, I mean, it really completes it. You know, I never put any pressure on any of our five sons to become priests. They all pursued it, they all discerned it, but only one became a priest. You know, I must admit that my oldest son, Michael, who is now 40, he is a professor of scripture at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland, with seven kids, and he has taught me so much about Scripture as a professor. Likewise, Gabe, who's got nine, you know, and so I am so deeply thankful for the vocations of all of our kids. There is something absolutely unique and special about having a priest, but every other one also has a vocation that is absolutely unique and special, too, and so uh, I'm grateful, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that that makes Jeremiah our favorite.
1: I can only imagine if your grandchildren are anything like my children, the questions they ask, that when two scripture scholars and a priest in the family get together around the table, if the children start asking questions, where that conversation can go. It's a lot of fun. I I would imagine. Dr. Hanna, it has been an honor to sit down and talk with you today for our Covenant Network listeners. Thanks for all you do for the faith and uh, for all you do for our radio listeners.
2: And until the next time we get to talk, uh, we wish you all of the best. Adam, you're most welcome, but thank you for what you do on Covenant Radio. And I would just say, keep up the great work, dear brother.
3: The Holy Catholic Church infallibly teaches that the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Most Blessed Sacrament, and that it is a sacrilege to receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin. Let us pray the Fatima prayer to the Most Holy Trinity. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore Thee profoundly. I offer Thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby He is offended, and through the infinite merits of His most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of Thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. Mary, mother of the church. Pray for us.
1: It's Tuesday. It's time for another Daily Dose of Encouragement here at Covenant Network. And with us as always is Patty Schneier. Patty, so good to be with you today.
4: Hello, Adam, and hello, listeners. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Our theme for this week is love for our priests. And I just want to encourage people to do little acts of kindness to go out of their way to show our priests how much we appreciate what they do. They bring us the Eucharist. They bring us the sacraments. They are there for us in the greatest joys of our life and in the greatest sorrows of life. And sometimes I think we just don't appreciate our priests enough or show them. So here's some encouraging words to help you do some little things that might show your appreciation for your pastor or your associate pastor at your parish invite invite that word is so beautiful invite your priests over for dinner cook a meal for your priests that's such a beautiful we do that a lot in our family i love to have our pastor over for dinner but you can't believe how much they enjoy that and it's a very important thing for your children to grow up in a household where you invite father over for dinner he's part of our family our church family but also beyond that invite your priests If you are celebrating a First Communion in your family, invite your priest to maybe the celebration after a baptism in your family. Invite your priest to the wedding reception in your family, those events in our life. Years ago, priests were always invited after First Communion or a baptism. It was a given that they would come to the party afterwards. Not so much anymore. You'd be surprised how many families go to First Communion Sunday or have a baptism And they don't even think about inviting their priest to come and join in the celebration afterwards. So I just want to encourage people to invite. If you have a priest that loves to go to a Cardinal ball game, get some tickets. Invite your priest to go to the game or a hockey game or whatever it is. Invite your priest to be a part of the joys of your family.
1: You know, it's so funny you say that because one of our good priest friends comes over to play Mario Kart with me and the kids on our Nintendo, and we there always have go. we always have a good time.
4: It can be anything. <laughs> whatever is meaningful for you or whatever is meaningful for that priest, but that's so beautiful. Just just start inviting. I, the, the thought of priests being alone in their rectory all the time and not being invited over to their parishioners' homes to me is tragic, and we need to do something about it. So let's all start inviting.
1: All right, Patty, great daily dose of encouragement for us today, friends. You and I have some homework to do from this one. Until next time, this has been a daily dose of encouragement on Covenant Network. Well, we have some exciting news this week here on Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to have a little bit of a change on Friday morning only, only this Friday, November 10th. Uh, We are going to be broadcasting the show live Friday morning in the 8 o'clock hour from the Summit, which is an event for middle school youth here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's a vocation rally and more. There's going to be a lot of things happening that day, and we're going to be so happy to be there. And I mentioned that. We're going to talk a little bit more about this on the show tomorrow, but this week is National Vocations Awareness Week. And as I said yesterday, you know we all have a vocation. Whether we know what it is or not, we all have a vocation. Some are called to marriage. Some are called to the priesthood. Some are called to consecrated religious life. And so for those youth, especially those middle schoolers, whom God might have already planted those seeds, he might be planting those seeds right now of what he's calling them to in life. We need to pray for them. And so we're excited to be there Friday morning. We do want to let you know that at 7 a.m. we're going to have our normal 8 o'clock hour program. We're doing a little switcheroo, if you want to say it that way. Uh, we'll be live 8 to 9. Patty Schneier is going to be with me, and what a wonderful morning it will be. But as we go about this week, specifically, I want to ask you, You know, we're praying for the dead this month of November. Can we also add this week an intention for those who God is calling who don't know their vocation yet. They haven't discerned it. Can we pray that they would hear God's voice? Can we pray that they would respond generously to his call? And can we also pray for ourselves, that we have the grace to live out our vocations? The world needs our witness right now. Those of us who are married, the world needs to see us living our vocation, loving our vocation we can't fake it either, which means we have to live out our vocation. The call to die to self for our spouses has to be lived out each and every day. Let's make that our goal this week. I'd like to remind you, as we said before, the uh, talks from the Diocesan Eucharistic Congress in Springfield, Illinois, are available if you go to dio.org, D-I-O, short for diocese, so dio.org, right on the homepage, you'll be able to click there, And listen to the talks and uh, what an absolute I'm still still thinking with joy about that day and how beautiful it was even driving home in the rain that night and it was cold today. It's not cold, you know, it was just a joy to be there that day. Also, one other thing I'd like to mention to you this morning, you know, us here at Covenant Network, sometimes we love to make lists and I know that helps a lot of people to make a list. What do I need to accomplish? What do I need to get done? What are you thankful for? This month in particular, as we prepare for the Thanksgiving holiday, let's give some extra thought. What am I thankful for in life? And maybe every day, write something down. You don't have to share it. You can share it if you want to. Maybe if it involves a person, I'm thankful for the time that I had that conversation or that you were there for me to help me with this or that we got to go experience this together or whatever it may be. But thank God for it. That's who we need to share it with each and every day. From time to time, I like to recommend to you the practice of the midday exam and that at some point in the middle of the day, dear Lord, thank you specifically for and then fill in the blank with something that's happened from this day. And then, dear Lord, please give me the grace I need to better love you or to better love my neighbor, whatever it may be. But be specific each and every day. It's a practice that can change your life. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of all saints, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't forget that if you enjoy this program, you can share it by visiting the Roadmap to Heaven podcast out there wherever you get your podcasts, or by going to OurCatholicRadio.org, O-U-R-CatholicRadio.org, and clicking on programs. Don't forget to check out our other Covenant Network podcasts and like and subscribe and share those, too. And most importantly, don't forget to pray your rosary today.